and welcome to episode 23 of Fitness Unfiltered. I'm Jocelyn Thompson-Rule and today I speak with the loveliest Nikki Bird. Nikki is a personal trainer, she plays touch rugby for England and is a fascial stretch therapist so she is multi-talented and we talk about how sport was really an escapism for her dyslexia and ADHD which she was not diagnosed with until she was at university also creating boundaries around her time and her work and where she's taking her fascial stretch therapy business moving forward as ever if you enjoy the show i would love for you to leave a review on itunes or wherever you're listening and let me know what you think nikki how are you doing hi joss how are you I'm very well. I'm very well, thank you. It's raining, but it's okay. We have had lots of days of sunshine, frankly. I know, we can't have it all, can we? (laughs) Exactly. Nikki, do you want to tell the people about you? Sure. I am a personal trainer, a fascial stretch therapist, and I also play touch rugby for England Touch. So multi-talented is what you're saying, Nikki. (laughs) I try, I try. Cool. And so Nikki, well, we knew of each other, didn't we, before we actually met. And I think I followed you on Instagram, you followed me on Instagram, and we're just kind of like admiring from afar. I was fangirling. (laughs) Please. (laughs) And then we both uh, worked on a secret project together, which is then how we got to know each other. And then from there, we've worked on lots of very cool projects together and are of course good friends as well but one of the things that we did together was just a a kind of a sit down chat and talk and it was actually um, I didn't at that time know all of your history around how you got into training and all that kind of stuff and was kind of like wowed on that evening when we when we sat down and spoke so can you talk a little bit about how you got into sport and the positive impact it had on you? Well, for me, I mean, I had two brothers, have two brothers, and like growing up around that, you know, I was a bit of a tomboy and naturally, you know, got into sports, was very active from a very, very young age. And I just really like, it just gave me so much joy playing sport. I very quickly got into then playing football at lunch times, having a kick about with the boys. And then I was just hooked uh, and, and nothing could really stop me playing sport. Every sport under the sun I did football, tennis, athletics, touch rugby, hockey, you name it, I was getting stuck in. Yeah, it was just when I was at my happiest, really. Uh, And I was very competitive, I think, from a young age, too. I think that comes back to having the two brothers thing. But yeah, and then eventually, as I got older, and then school gets a bit more serious, you know, you then start getting into your studies, what are you going to do in your future university or the rest of that, I just didn't I didn't really cope too well on the academic side of things. It got quite tough for me at school to the point where I was even sent to a counsellor every lunchtime for about a year, which I didn't tell any of my school friends about at the time. I was too embarrassed about it. I mean, you know, everybody knows there's a bit of a taboo out there about going for counselling or talking about Mm. feelings and yeah I just I'm not I'm not book smart as they would say or or, you know never have been I really am a bit more of a kinesthetic hands-on visual learner you see it you do it and then you absorb what you're learning in that sense so as school got 
tougher and um, education got a little bit more academic. (laughs) Yeah, I struggled with that. But yet the one thing I kept coming back to, which helped me make my days at school a little bit easier, struggle a little bit less, was going to my sport. So I was going to school, doing the usual, doing my homeworks, and then I would be doing about three to four hours, seven days a week. Uh, So I then had arguments with, you know, teachers at school, parents, you're doing too much. Um, That's why you're studying, suffering. But actually... So this is this is four hours of sport a day. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and okay. it was, yeah, it was a mixture. This was within my last kind of three to four years of, of school. So the, the tail end of it uh, before going mm. off to university. But it was a mixture of uh, coaching as well as playing. So some days I would do so straight after school, I'd go to football training and then I would do hockey coaching and then I would go to touch rugby training. And then the next day it might be, you know, the reverse. So I, I coached and played on a number of different teams. So it was juggling all of those at the same time. So then, you know, there were a number of arguments where it was, oh, you're doing too much. That's why your academics are suffering. But then my argument was actually that's that's what's helping keep me sane through school and keep me motivated. So yeah, in just very simple terms, it was it was what helped me kept, keep my sanity, keep positive, keep happy. I didn't find out until my just before graduating university in my third year of university, where I was really really struggling to finish my dissertation. I got extension after extension after extension, literally till the final, you weren't allowed any more than this. And I just couldn't do it. I I just could not complete my dissertation in time. I couldn't get it done. I was having flashbacks of, you know, all these academic difficulties that I had at school and my whole life. I just didn't get it. And Mm. it was not till one of my counsellors at at university that said to me, have you thought about having like uh, some tests done like dyslexia tests just getting getting like some learning tests to just figure out if there's anything else going on here when and did one turned out that I had dyslexia and ADHD (laughs) so um, and this was at the age of I can't even don't even know what that what how old are you in your third year of university 21 22 I didn't know till then and that was like my light bulb moment of not finding an excuse you know it's not an excuse as this is why I was how I was but it just everything made sense at that point where needing things to do to put my energy into good use and yeah just everything just kind of came together at that point sorry I'm waffling on it's like a bit of a weird thing because I'm like reliving the process of like figuring it all out you know and and just yeah I didn't know the whole time I was at school this was what, what was going on it all made sense I didn't even get enough points to actually get into university in the first place to the course that I wanted but what did get me into the course eventually was actually the extracurricular stuff so right. through all of that through school even though people said I was doing too much uh, I guess the moral of it is to just stick to what you love doing stick to what makes you happy and what drives you because it, had I given that up had I given the sports up I still would have struggled academically in my yeah. opinion kind of knowing what I went through and I wouldn't have had the extra stuff and the stuff that drives me to actually have the university acknowledge wanting me there in the first place 
even though you didn't know until what your third year of, of uni, which is, you know, something I hear all the time that you sort of just a lot of people just and I know now that, you know, there are lots more tests that can be had and all that kind of stuff and, and things can be spotted early on. But you still knew yourself that playing sport was the thing that I suppose what made you feel alive, made you feel whatever it was, and that there was definitely this disconnect with with learning, with school, with what did that feel like? Did you, I mean, were you getting told off because people were saying, you know, you weren't delivering on your work or whatever? Like, why were you told, you know, to see a counsellor? How did, you know, all of that manifest in your work? When I got to step onto the sports field, it was it really, truly the only time that I didn't feel judged which is weird because when you're playing sport especially when you're competitive there's a huge level of of like analyzing and watching and you can't get better unless you're you know given feedback and and sometimes criticized and but it was just all in a way that I could take it was just I don't know what you know when they say like if you find something you love doing actually you're willing to work hard for it and I know not everybody's lucky enough to find that I do feel lucky in a lot of ways even though I had to go through all of that other stuff to Mm. to find sport very very quickly I didn't realize Mm. until what much later on how how beneficial it was to me and why it Mm. didn't get till later on but I just knew it there was just something something in me from from the start that knew that this was what was helping me like I would step onto I would just be happy it was like working with other people it was so much more than just playing a game you know it was working Mm. with other people you had to you have to be smart in so many different ways when you're playing sport you know socially mentally you have to be able to understand other people you have to be able to read people from every different background I played sports with guys and girls so it you know it wasn't just like playing in an all-female team it's just so many things you can take from that and I think it was because playing team sport as well from a young young age too, you just, yeah, like I said, you have to interact with so many different people and personalities. You take so much from that, which I think has actually served me really, really nicely with what I do now as a, as a personal trainer and a coach and a, and a stretch therapist, being able to understand different people and different moods and when somebody being able to read somebody when they walk in the door is such a huge thing when you're a, when you're a trainer or a coach. Mm, and that's the that's the stuff that you can't teach isn't it really you can be so smart and know so many things and know all of the science if you can't communicate with people and if you can't communicate with people when they're having really bad days that's got nothing to do with you but you still know how to kind of bring them around in that session or when you know whenever you see them that I think is something that is is really hard to teach um, and it's only something that you can, you know, develop over time through experience. And so, you know, as you say, that experience in, in support of, of playing with so many different types of people and being able to read them and, and, and all of that under pressure, essentially, because, you know, sport is competitive and there is an end goal, which is usually to win, <laughs> you know, certainly in, in, in team sport. And I know that, you know, we kind of flip that when we talk about well, no, I would, I would say, I'll take that back, actually. I would say that both as individuals and as a team, the goal is, is to do your damn best. And if that results in, in winning, 
fantastic, which is also, you know, I guess I'm kind of trying to differentiate between process and outcome goals, but everybody does it because they love it. But yes, there is also the joy of, you know, that victory at the end of the day as well. Yes, there's always that goal of wanting to win, especially when you're competitive. But if you're really competitive, you you want to win in a good way too. I mean, that's not the best way of saying it, but you you want to win convincingly. You want to perform well when you're winning too, because I think I could probably speak on behalf of of a number of athletes out there. You don't you don't want to win on a bad performance. I don't know. It kind of takes it kind of takes a little bit away from it. So yeah, I know what you what you're saying in terms of like the processes and and going through that, but. Yeah. And also just, you know, from what you were saying about when you were playing sport and that, that, you know, that was the first time that you felt that you weren't being judged. And yet, yes, there is so much judgment to a degree in sport. But it also seems to me like that was something that you could control, you know, despite the judgment when you were playing sport. That was something then that you could actively control your process and your success within whereas I guess you know at school you, you didn't know why you were feeling the way you were feeling there was just a a block there and that then is completely out of your control and so to to kind of go yeah okay I'm, I'm you know in the middle of a game or whatever and yes this person's thinking this or my coach is thinking that or whatever, but that's something I can go away and work on. Like this, it's very different knowing what you can do with the bit that you need to improve as opposed to just not knowing what to do and why things aren't working. And that's just the way it is. And so you carry on and because it is the way it is. So what did it feel like, you know, I guess, as you said, everything started to make sense and and, and going back over all of those guess your history of of learning everything made sense once you were diagnosed how did that change things for you it didn't you know what I, I think I think by that point because I had gone so many years already just getting on with things and having mm. to figuring it out as you went along like having the actual diagnosis like it didn't necessarily change a huge amount it was just a nice validation to understand what I don't know what I was going through was because of a a bigger process I don't know it just helped me like feel okay about all the years beforehand and understand a bit more I just like understanding processes um, and why things happen or why things happen the way they do so in terms of, of changing things not hugely but it did make me appreciate that it's okay to learn differently I guess I guess in that sense like things change like understanding that just because someone might pick up a book and understand it straight away and and I don't that's fine I'm just gonna have to try and figure that out in a different way so again that comes back to like my learning with with PTing and um, when you're doing personal training and with my fascial stretch therapy which I'm sure we'll talk more about in a bit but that's such a hands-on learning process which is why I connected with it so well and it I guess yeah driving myself more towards those things that I can learn hands-on and visually as opposed to trying to force myself into reading books or or learning in the traditional way and just finding other ways to learn I guess and knowing that that was okay and being cool with it yeah no I love it love it 
Let's talk about the fascial stretch therapy. Still haven't had a sample, which is absolutely not your fault. It's mine. And now we're in the middle of lockdown. So (laughs) you're not going to get your hands on me for ages, Nikki. I know. I know. Well, you can come to another class. (laughs) Fab. What do you want to know about fascial stretch therapy, Joss? I know very little about it. So I want you to give me a little history and then go from there. Okay. So... Fascial stretch therapy, it's a bit of a mouthful. It's nothing to do with facials. I get that all the time. People are like, what is this facial thing you do? I'm like, listen, I know I, lot of, I, know I do a lot of different things, but it's There's nothing to do with facials. Yeah. <laughs> but so fascia is this stuff that we have in our body. It is, uh, you know, it connects all of us uh, to our muscles our tendons our ligaments bones it's everywhere it's like a little spider's web underneath our skin it's so misunderstood I guess there's still a lot of science out there that's coming out about it but yeah it's, it's something that people are talking more and more about these days fascial stretch therapy works on the basis of stretching fascia not necessarily muscles like we look at the body as a whole in like lines and nets and slings and how your toes connected to your shoulder to your ear and we just look at the whole body as a big picture and also it's it's done in a way that's a very gentle progressive style of stretch rather than that whole old school you know notion of if it's not painful you're not doing it properly or if it's if it's painful you have to go into it harder so that's kind of thrown out the window you have the client on a stretch or massage table and they're essentially anchored down with just these really soft neoprene straps where it helps just keep the client um, stable as you're moving them around because it's it's really dynamic so yeah I don't know if I painted the picture very well but it's a dynamic form of stretch (laughs) you totally have you went and you studied in Arizona is that yes. right? For four yes. years, you went out there once a year for four years. And so now you're at the, you're like the highest level of. Exactly. Cool. So over the last three and a bit years, I've, I've gone out and there's this three different levels to it. You just level one, two and three, three is the highest level that you can go with your qualification. And yeah, they, they only teach out in Arizona and then one place in Canada because they want you to go to them, they want the, they want you to learn from them, hands on, and they they're just very. I understand why, but they're they're just very protective about what they're teaching and how they're teaching because it's it's something that's really special to them. So they want it done in their way, and I get that. Since you've been doing it, how has it changed your practice and how you treat your client? You know, is it something that you use with every client that you work with, or are you selective with it? How does it I work? Think- because there's still this huge misconception about stretching and stretching being painful and so many people not liking it. Like you speak to most people and they just think stretching's awful, don't you? So I don't so do enough of it. I should do more. <laughs> <laughs> um, and look, it, and then stretching's not the be-all and end-all. I think the, the biggest thing that FST taught me is just looking at the body differently and looking mm. at the body as much more of a connected unit. And I know that yes. people realize that with lots of different courses and in other ways, but that was what clicked for me. That's the biggest thing I took from it. Yes, I've learned a whole nother scope of practice with the stretch therapy, but it's really just made me look at the body as a whole and how we're all connected in the way that we move. In some senses, yes, I use it with every client that works through the door because I'm I'm using my knowledge from the stretch therapy into just like 
my warm-ups with my clients, prepping the body for our sessions, for our cool-downs, and then some clients that are more open to it that I think would respond to it. I'll get them booking in for like an hour session and, and taking them through that on top of the training sessions that we've got as well. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Again, I need to book in for one of those. <laughs> we will. We will do we this. Hours, my words. Got a lot of work to do. <laughs> when we are out of here, hundred percent. That's one of the first things that we're going to do, Joss. Yes. Yes. So, so <laughs> if if you are listening to this in like I don't know twenty twenty one or something. <laughs> We're about to enter week seven of lockdown <laughs> due to COVID-19. So there is no hands-on anywhere. So you're are obviously competing. Last year was a big year for you with the World Cup. Yes. How do you balance, because you're, you're, you're an athlete, you're a PT, you're a fascial stretch therapist. That's a bit of a tongue twister, isn't it? Um, how do you balance all of that? Because I know that when we've worked together, sometimes it's like, Nikki's in the country, she's not in the country, but when I see you, you're calm as a bird, or I feel that if that was me, I would not be calm. How do you manage it? Do you know what? Like I I do get this a lot and I've even had it so many times where from school all the way now through to my professional career, I don't know how many times people have said to me, you need to make a choice. You either need to pick your sport or you need to pick a subject at school or pick your career. But I just, honestly, (laughs) I just, honestly, you like, of course, not everything in life is fun and you've got to do things sometimes that you don't want to do. But if there's something that you're that passionate about and there's something that drives you and keeps you motivated, keep that in your life because it's it's much bigger than just loving that one thing that you're doing. Because if you're positive about something and you have and that gives you motivation and that gives you drive, that will transfer over into everything else that you're doing as well. Mm. Um, I truly believe that. So how I yeah. manage it, it was it was definitely tough when I was first starting out as a PT because you're juggling trying to fit in as many clients as you can in every single different part of London because you're taking on yeah. everything and anything that you can do, yeah. <laughs> plus the training, plus the fact that, with my sport, we don't have a huge amount of funding. So everything I was, the bare minimum I was making from PTing, I was putting back into my sport again. I just always came back to the fact that what what is driving me and what's keeping me motivated, it's my sport. So when I eventually, you know, got to that point of it all just, be, I was overworking myself. I was overtraining myself. I just said, look, I've, I've got to prioritize this. And I just said to myself, like, if I want to be a better athlete and I want to be able to serve my clients better, all I have to do is is manage my time a little bit more. So I said, you know, I'm not now going to book my weekends out with with PTing. I'm not a morning person per se. Mm -hmm. So why am I getting up at four or five in the morning to do my PTing then? I put a stop to that and I've just made myself a bit more of a priority because if you make yourself a priority and you're able to function as best as possible, that's how you're going to serve your clients a little bit better, I think. Yeah, and it's just making that choice and understanding that you may lose a handful of clients um, potentially by cutting certain hours out, but then the clients Mm. that you do want will come to you. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's so interesting. So you're the second athlete and trainer who has said exactly the same thing. Really? Because I I kind of feel like it's the missing 
piece for a lot of people who don't necessarily have that one thing that really, really, you know, makes them feel alive. So for you, that's your, you know, sport. And for, for Chloe, that's her lifting. So Chloe, she's um, a hybrid lifter. She does Ollie lifting and powerlifting. Yes, yes, I know. Um, And um, so, and, you know, she said the exact same thing that, you know, she, and, and, you know, starting off as, as a PT, exactly as you said, you're running around, you're trying to train everybody, trying to get as much experience as possible. And, you know, all of your friends who, you know, work normal hours and in inverted commas, like never get to see you because you're working mm-hmm. around everybody else's schedule. And then you both seem to have come to this point where you were just like, okay, this, my sport is going to suffer unless I yeah. change things. And, and that is the real driver. Whereas I feel for a lot of PTs where they don't have that demand on their time, or they don't have that split of their time between, you know, their job and, you know, something else. So mm-hmm. they, they, they don't have that thing that's going to push them to say, no, these are the boundaries that I'm going to create. Yeah. This is how I'm going to work now. Um, and, you know, I didn't do that. You know, I was before, you know, before I had Bjorn, I was PTing for 12 years. I yeah. was working around everybody else's schedules. Now, I tell a lie. Um, I had given up weekends at that stage, but I was teaching on a Sunday at um, Thames CrossFit. I was teaching ollie lifting on a Sunday morning, which actually I absolutely loved doing. So whilst mm. it was the weekend still, I, I just got so much joy from teaching those sessions that that was something that I did. But God, I wouldn't have dreamed of blocking out time and I was aware of PTs who were doing it at the time mm-hmm. so there was one guy Anton who worked um, at gym box and he would work from six till two or three each day and that was it he was done and I saw him do it but it never occurred to me <laughs> to do it myself <laughs> isn't that madness though like why do we do it I think it's I so think mad that, I think there's this fear though like well there is there's this fear that as a trainer, it you know, or everybody's working these like graveyard shifts, or they're getting up at the. That's like that's just what you're supposed to do. That's just the life of a PT. That's suck yeah. it up and get on with it. Yeah. And then there's also this fear of once you get into that habit, like that's the life you know. So you just carry on and keep going. But it, honestly, it's like the most liberating feeling. And uh, even mm. if you don't have a reason per se you know like me and my sport and my training that that motivates you to cut some of those hours down I mean just give yourself a bit of time to breathe like have a social life like give yourself the time to discover something that you would like to use your spare time with you know and it's just so much better for like your mental health for and if you're spending every single waking hour of the day being PTing and working with clients, you've got no time to work on yourself for your business yeah. or or anything else you might want to develop in either. Yeah, that's it. And I'm I'm listening to again for the the millionth time, Essentialism. I don't know okay. if you've if you've read it by a guy called Greg McKeown. And um it's just basically um what does he call it? He says the disciplined pursuit of less bought a course years ago with this woman, Hilary Rushford, and it was one of her recommended texts from years ago. And it's something that when I come back to it, I'm like, why, why, why do I not read this every single day? I've written it down. 
<laughs> it's so good. You'll love it. Um, I'm going to have his whole thing, <laughs> His whole thing is is that whole burnout thing when you're trying to be everything for everyone and do all of, all of the things, and you you get rewarded for it. You get rewarded for being the person who's who's available, who's reliable, who's who will always show up. And yeah. that you don't get rewarded or you think you're not going to get rewarded for saying no, for putting yourself first, for putting your whatever it is that's important mm-hmm. to you first. And so it's a little bit it's a little bit addictive because there have been multiple times throughout my career where, you know, it's like, yeah, Joss is Joss will do it, Joss is on it, Joss mm-hmm. and you sort of kind of that gets addictive. I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah I wanna be that I wanna be that go to person. But it's it's a really hard and, you know, I feel like I want to be able to, I don't know, come up with some kind of like system or process where you can actually kind of teach people, right, if you just follow this mm-hmm. other thing, this other way, methodically, you'll do okay. And I, I also kind of feel like right now, more than ever, you know, so many people are, you know, have their eyes on what everybody else is doing and feel like they need to be leveling up and showing up and doing different stuff. Um, and actually, there's also this idea around everybody else is so busy, and whether they're whether they're doing other stuff or not, and that's successful or not or whatever, fine. Neither here nor there. If you do just take it slow and focus on those few things and make those really, really good, it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. Like it really, really doesn't, because a lot of the people that you know, other people worry about that are doing so well and that, that seem to have it all together, they're equally as busy and have a million things going on when actually just so it's it's such a funny thing to kind of go actually do you know what no I'm going to slow down and I'm going to just hunker down and just move at a slower pace take time to think take time to breathe and I know we theoretically have that right now but we're also all you know suffering from low level stress (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whether we want it, level, it or not depending on the day but I was Indeed. just honestly just nodding along to every I, I know you can't see me but just nodding along <laughs> to everything you were saying there but it's so true it's like the important thing to just really remember with this and it's it is so easy to get caught up in thinking that everybody is so busy because that's what social media wants you to see well that's what people are putting out there in this like social media is so great in a lot of ways but as everybody knows it can also be a little bit detrimental um but as long as you're focusing on what really is driving you what you're what you're connecting with you'll be on the you just can't compare yourself I know people say this all the all the time so I'm trying to say it in a way that isn't too cliche but just stop comparing yourself to other people and Mm. and understand what you're enjoying what's making you happy because if you enjoy what you're teaching or if you enjoy what you're putting out there and you're relating to what you're putting out there people will see that as well if you're just trying to copy somebody else because that looks like it's the thing to do or look, you know, look busy just for the sake of looking busy. People will see through that as well. Mm-hmm. And I also think another thing, you know, sometimes you see some stuff that other people are doing and, you know, it's just brilliant and it's amazing or, you know, it could even be something as simple as a, as a post that's gone like really well and, you know, loads of people are responding or whatever. And what I often do when I see that, you know, sometimes you have that feeling of, oh God, you know, they're just doing so brilliantly. And then I go, right, well, is that a post I would have put out? Or is that a thing I would want it? Like, can I see myself doing that thing? 
And always, 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 I can't. So all I'm seeing is the success of what they've done, but actually it wouldn't feel authentic to me or it wouldn't feel something, wouldn't feel like something that I would, I could see myself doing. And yet so many people attach meaning to what other people are doing, even though if they did it themselves, it would feel a bit off or whatever. And yet, as you say, you know, do what you enjoy. Like it, it reminds me of um, a podcast I, I recorded, and you, you know, um, Lisa Price, don't you, my friend Lisa? Maybe, maybe not. I don't think I do. I don't know. Would so I maybe met you have any of your events? You both, you both spoke at the summit um, last year, but I think you were on different days. She was one of my very, very first guests on this podcast, and um, you know, we were both sort of talking about, you know, we we kind of started in the fitness industry before, you know, social media and stuff. And we both really just pursued what we enjoyed, much like, you know, what you've just said, like, follow what you enjoy. And, and I feel like, because there is a distraction now of what's happening in the fitness industry, and, you know, COVID-19 or not, that people don't have that time to pursue what they're what they're interested in and what they enjoy and lots of I get so many people ask me all the time Justin what courses would you recommend and I'm like well what do you like what what do you want to study there's no point in doing a course for do for just the sake of doing a course like what do you want to know more about yeah but it's it's so nice like I said that you were just saying you know do what you enjoy pursue like you know because I guess when you did your the first year of FST you know, if you hadn't necessarily have enjoyed it, you wouldn't have continued on with it. And that even goes back to like everything, everything should have, doesn't say, I don't like saying, I don't like putting things out there where it's like, you should do this or you should do that because everybody's different. But Please, I think, just tell them, yeah. tell them with you. <laughs> I think it's like everything should connect in your, in your story. Like I, that's when things will feel natural and and come back to again being being true to yourself in that another part of the reason why I connected so much with the FST stuff is that I I went through a lot of injuries and I still go through Mm. a lot of injuries with my sport and I think that's just from you know stuff and my movement patterns way early on in life but I'm like if I had known this that and the other back Mm. in the day when I first started playing X amount of hours of sport a week, maybe I could have avoided this injury or that injury. But having gone through injuries and having to rehab myself and just, again, you, you come from a rehab background, you've seen it. I'm sure you've had enough injuries yourself. Mm. Maybe, maybe not. But yeah, um, no, yeah, yeah, I have. It's, it's awful. Like the, yeah. the struggle, whether you're just an everyday person or an athlete, as an athlete, it's like the end of the world when you go through an injury because you've got to stop training in certain ways you have to then go into rehab which is boring and then you can't play your sport and it's it's tough it's tougher than normal training having gone through all of that it just really made me want to help more people move better so they didn't Mm. have to go through the same things I went through with my injuries I'm like if I can stop just one more person from picking an injury Mm. up then then that's that's going to be great, and I think that was a big part of connecting with the with the FST and just using that more in my training as well. And 
yeah so yeah it's all it's no, all connected no. if if you believe in something and you're passionate about it that will come across in the work that you do and that becomes so much more sustainable than just picking something because somebody suggested a course to you yeah because that should yeah. be what you should be doing yeah or because it's trendy or yeah whatever it's funny so my background is is rehab so I started off once I did my personal training diploma and then I did sports sports therapy as part of that as well and immediately went on to work um, assisting football physios and so that's how I kind of got into you know rehab I was interested in it I was interested in that whole process of injury and recovery and all that kind of stuff and I did it for years and studied more and more and then I got to a point I think probably about eight years in where I was just like I am bored of fixing people (laughs) I do not want to see one more injury (laughs) ever Um, and so I kind of took a break away from it because I was just like I'm done I'm done I'm done I don't want to see anything anymore I'm done (laughs) Um, I can see how that would happen (laughs) but then I kind of came because I guess there's the frustration of you give people the stuff that they're supposed to do at home and you know and and you know what it's like as soon Mm -hmm. as people don't feel pain anymore they forget about it oh yeah like the pain is the reminder and as soon as they're fixed they're like you know you you'll, you'll someone's got I don't know whatever knee pain you treat them you give them their stuff to do their knee is fine they yes. come in however many weeks later and they're like, oh, but, you know, I've got this issue with my shoulder. And like, how's that knee going? Oh, yeah, my knee's fine. You're like, okay, great. <laughs> right, what? Yeah. Um, and, and you, yeah, you know the drill. So I was just like, right, I'm over you people. Um, but, you know, now, obviously, I, you know, I'm kind of, I, I love it. I love, I love that, that process. Not least because it's the first time a lot of people actually start paying attention to their bodies and how they're treating their bodies. I mean, obviously sometimes injuries are not, you know, um, are, are, you know, kind of impact injuries, you know, particularly in sport and so on, but it it, it does, it it kind of changes the relationship that people have with their bodies and that there's a newfound respect for movement and, and all of the pieces that, that, you know, are a part of that recovery, all of those pieces. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm back on the rehab wagon again. It's fine. People can come to me with injuries. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, though, because there's times as well, like, and look, don't get me wrong, I've done the FST. Yes, I've got the highest qualification in it, but I'm, I'm not a rehab background. I'm not medically qualified. I do have to put that out there, you know, like mm. I've not done a physio course or anything like that. I just have a, a good understanding of, how the body moves and how we're connected and I think but I can see how you can get you know it it takes a toll at some point because you you get really caught up in just wanting to help everybody and then Mm. actually then that comes back to you putting your out your energy out there for everybody else and then not having it for yourself and then you end up helping and helping and helping and then it's like when they don't listen it gets really stressful and then you just have to just stop for a minute and just think, okay, I need to just take a step back. How can I help people without getting stressed out about it myself? Um, but yeah, I go through waves of it too. But hopefully with the uh, trying to do this, well, actually we haven't talked about it yet, but these classes that we, we talked about the other day, Joss, with the FST, like, getting more people moving before they're necessarily injured and just enjoying 
the process of moving better before injuries even become a thing. Hopefully that will stop me from getting to the point of falling out with the the rehabby side and people. (laughs) Tell me, yeah, tell me a little bit about that because I know that you know when we were chatting, we were kind of, I guess again, you know, bringing it back to obviously we are in lockdown, and you know, I think at the start of this, you know, there was this chat of like, okay, everyone has more time now, and you know, you can do all those things and pursue all those things, and I was like, more time for what? Like what? And then you know, kind of five weeks, six weeks in, I found a loose rhythm. I will, I use that the term loose loosely because it is a very loose rhythm of day to day, but that doesn't involve a huge amount of spare time or whatever. Um, but you know, we were just talking about. Yeah, like there, there are definitely some. You know, I definitely know um, a lot of my mentorship students have kind of gone ahead and done some things that they didn't quite feel they were ready to do yet but just because of the circumstances they were like okay do you know what screw it here I am let's go for it and so with the that's been sort of a little bit like that for you hasn't it with this idea of the class concept um and I guess it's tricky because you're going from something that is you know when you're treating someone it's it's hands-on it's that you know that kind of physical contact to actually then delivering something in a in a class so a how did you come to that and b what does that look like moving forward yeah I think it's like you're saying with with the FST it is such a hands-on process like that's the beauty of it and you can't ever quite replicate that in other ways when people are doing self-stretch but at the same time I for a long time now I've been wanting to create something that is accessible for more people um partly yes on a financial basis because one-to-one therapies not everybody can afford to do that on a regular basis or as much as they should be anyway and then partly just being able to create this mass appreciation of uh, um, enjoying movement more and and moving more efficiently um, and how that Mm. can then translate in everyday life I'd love to do this on a on a bigger scale and yeah like I guess coming back to what I was saying before getting more people moving better to avoid getting to this place of having to go through the rehab process so we've got you know gone into lockdown and everyone's gone into panic mode of what can I do and what can I create and how do I keep busy and I'll be honest with you they can have my kids if they want to keep busy (laughs) I know right well I will I will take your boys any day they are an absolute (laughs) dream they can come and stay at mine you say that Nikki but (laughs) it's true when you can hand them back I know it's a whole different story but (laughs) Um, bless them but um yeah no just the first couple of weeks I was just going through the processes seeing what stuck and what didn't and it's weird because I've like never ever I don't know if anybody would have ever noticed if they had followed me on social media before or not but I've never actually spoken to camera on my social media (laughs) um 
I, I don't know why I hate it. I've got no problem with speaking in front of crowds of people, but when you put me on like on camera to be recorded, I'm like, I cringe at myself. So anyway, going around the houses of the story, I, I did a couple of lives and then just found that actually there was, there was, oh, sorry, some lives doing some stretch classes, incorporating some of the information from the FST that I had learned and then had a good response from it. So I just thought, why not develop this into a bit more of a concept of, yes, stretch, but then also put uh, some of my background of actual personal training in there too with some activation work, mobility work, and actually put it out there as a class. Um, I have no idea how it's going to go, but I just yeah. thought, let's just put it out there. Like you always say, Joss, you've got to start before you're ready. I believe in it. <laughs> And I am, <laughs> I'm, I'm passionate about the information I'm going to put. But. <laughs> it doesn't feel ready, but it's going to be put out there and I'm going to learn from the process. If it doesn't go how I imagine it will, then we'll change it. But um, there's no pressure. It's just using this opportunity to give things like that a go. And if it goes well, yeah. well, we'll see how we can develop that out of lockdown. And if not, then we'll forget we ever had this conversation. <laughs> no, I, th- I I know it's going to go really, really well. And I just, I do, I, you know, yeah, you know, I'm a bully for that of just going like, what, so you're half ready? Okay, great, go. Because, and, and that, that, that um, stems back to, um, like, I, I don't know if I've said this to you before or not, but I always say that I'm a recovering perfectionist because I always used to want everything to be absolutely perfect before, and, you know, before it went out. And, that I did that with my um, chasing pull-ups program and I was just like right it's all done and you know I've got it all put together I I did it in a word document and then I got um, I used Upwork which is a like a website to kind of get you know like tech stuff done and admin stuff done and I I put a little ad on there for somebody to turn and you know a word doc into an ebook so I got this great girl Nadia she did it for me and I was like, this is so finished and perfect. And then I sent it out to 20 people um, for feedback. And they all came back with excellent feedback. It was all completely different. But I was just a bit like, oh, how annoying. Like, I thought this was so <laughs> finished. I remember <laughs> when you now, did that. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm just like, screw it. Well, it's half done. Okay, let's just go. Like, it'll it'll get better along the way. That's it. You'll learn in the process as well. And And that's the thing that stops people from starting because they think it has to be perfect before it goes out there. 100%. And I think it was like we've talked about before as well with, I guess, you have your own misconceptions of a million and one things that could go wrong, but you stop, you, you, you don't really remind yourselves of what can go right with it I think and then that's what yeah. that's what stops you the fear stops you so yeah just just do it if you're if you're not 100% sure give it a go I mean as long as you're not out there you know hurting people and putting people in, yeah. in situations yeah. where you're about to do <laughs> make some or, educated you know. choices but um, <laughs> yeah. But just give it a go. And if it doesn't quite go right, there's nothing wrong in that. And also a lot of the time, people don't know whether it's gone right or wrong. Like, but you do, because you're the only one that knew it in your own head. So yes, 
start before you're ready. Thank you, Joss, for that one. Always, always, <laughs> always, always. I do think feedback is important. Like now if I do something, you know, and I, I was speaking to you about this, like there's some things I just don't ask for feedback for. Um, mm-hmm. Not because I'm worried about the feedback, but just because I'm like, I'm, it's not done yet. I need to do more in it before I, you know, when when I'm happy with it is when I want the feedback because I know then the other little bits that I've missed. But also I'm only ever really, it's great if somebody likes what I do. That's yeah. awesome. But yeah. I always want the feedback that I do think is going to, you know, improve something so that there's like a few people that I go to um, that I'm like, yeah, no, 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 that's fine if you thought it was good, but what what bits would you change? Yeah, <laughs> you know, because yeah. um, they're the they're, they're the bits where you grow always, and and I think that you have to be open to receiving criticism, like you have to, because you you just don't move forward if you don't if you don't get that and and use it, put it put it to to good use, and you know whatever uh, you know your next edition of whatever or your next yeah. piece of work or body of work or whatever but um yeah no I'm I'm very excited to see where it all goes in it. and so what's it called Nikki because I love the name I keep forgetting uh, it I love it that well, much I forgot it it's, well that's that's the work in progress as well but I started with uh, calling it stretch and reset because yeah. obviously with my background in stretch therapy I didn't want to not include that in the name of the the concept and the class but I guess reset if you want to shorten it down and yeah have a little I think that's word so for good <laughs> reset that's so, so that's, good. yeah it's, it, that's the little idea you know it, we're, we're kind of resetting our bodies back to optimal state that's that's the the idea and the idea behind the concept and it, it's not just you know, there's there's a lot of things to be included in there. It's not just the, the stretch stuff. There's it's, it's more than that. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's just hopefully feeling good physically, but mentally as well at the end of the sessions. Yeah, no, I love it. I love reset is so good. Like it's just so on point. You know what I mean? Like a friend of mine, she is in the states, and she was uh, she recently did a post about trying to sum up her business in two to three words. Mm-hmm. Hello. Like that's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. But, but that word, like there's, there's, there's so much weight behind yeah. reset. Do you know what I mean? It means so many different things. So I yeah. really like it. Nikki, a dream as always. This has been so, so good. And I'm so excited to see where reset goes, frankly, because I think it's going to be big, 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 big. Oh, thank you so much, Joss. And thank you so much for having me on this epic podcast I mean I'm honored to even be asked to speak on this so hopefully people can get through I like to waffle a bit with my chat so hopefully people can get through that love love (laughs) it all love it all but thank you so so much and I'll see you for a two-hour FST session when we're out of lockdown two-hour FST at lockdown (laughs) but I'm gonna See, see you on a Zoom call or something before that. Yes, I think it's in fact even this Sunday. Yes, very that's, that's exactly it. <laughs> cool. All right, my love. Thank you so, so much. And you take care. Oh, thank you, Josh. Same to you. Cheers, love. Bye bye. See you soon. Bye.